Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball community for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. All right. So today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us move the ball is my dear friend, Adam Edwards. Adam is an NFL alumni and co-founder of iMatch Franchise and Global Investments, which is an independent franchise and M&A brokerage firm, and they manage over 400 brands and listings. Adam has helped thousands of people over his distinguished career as a certified franchise executive and intermediary with millions sold in transactions. Now, Adam oversees recruitment, business development, and the matchmaking process to ensure clients get into business for themselves but not by themselves. And we'll talk more about that in today's show. So now let's welcome Adam to the show. Adam, welcome. Thank you, Jen. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. I wasn't expecting all of that, but thank you very much. Very humbling. I'm glad to have you with us today. You know, last night I was looking at old photos on my phone and I found some photos from the last time we were together back in Dallas. And that was in September of 2019. So that was quite a ways away. Uh, it didn't seem like it was that long ago. No, it seemed like it was yesterday. But I, many people that I talked to, when COVID hit, it just seems like the world stopped and then it fast forwarded to now. So a lot of things that we've done prior, we just don't remember it. And gosh, it's hard to believe it's been two years since we've last connected. But that event with the NFL Alumni Association in Dallas to raise money for some of the community partners was just awesome. And I appreciate you attending. Yeah, it was great. I was glad that uh, the schedule aligned and I was in town and was able to attend. So when I have former athletes like yourself on the show, I really like to start off the conversation talking about your athletic career. And as you know, I'm a firm believer that there are so many life lessons that sports like football really teach us and help prepare us so that we can be successful in business, in our careers, and just in life in general. So let me start off by asking you to share some of the lessons that you've learned from football that have helped you to be successful. Yeah, and I appreciate the opportunity of doing that. So I, like other players, when we started really looking at life in general, and we're attracted to sports, and we're attracted to some of our favorite stars, I grew up idolizing uh, sports figures. These are taller than life sports figures like Tony Darcet and Mean Joe Green and Barry Sanders, which by the way, Barry Sanders have got a cool story. So just a few uh, weeks ago, we actually filmed a video for the opening of his uh, Barry Sanders Nissan car dealership with one of my good friends, Billy Allstadt. So it was pretty cool to go full circle, uh, idolizing him growing up, going to the same University of Oklahoma State and then helping him film uh, that commercial. That was pretty cool. So, you know, as I grew up idolizing some of these folks, all of us think when we had the opportunity of playing our college careers and, and being somewhat decent at the positions that we playing and then get the opportunity of getting into the NFL, um, that we're going to have a long lasting career. And that's pretty much what we're going to do is just be a professional athlete. 
So I, like everybody else in the early 2000s, got my shot. I got a free agent contract with the Dallas Cowboys. It was, we call it America's team in the early 2000s. Thought my career would last for a long time. Unfortunately, injury and, um, and, and, and other high name profile athletes had something to say about that. So my career was cut short, practice squad, as they say, a cup of coffee. But what it did, it actually prepared me for life. And I have to really go back to the way that I was raised. So when I look at my late father and him being a war veteran, served in Vietnam, was highly decorated, and then it was a civil servant uh, on the Oklahoma City Police Department. And then I look at my mother, who was a fierce educator. I knew that early on, a really good education was something that I couldn't take for granted and something that could never really be taken away from me. So getting that education was something that propelled me to where I am now. And I'm sure we'll expand the conversation to talk a little bit more about that. Yes, absolutely. And so let's talk about, you mentioned earlier how COVID, you know, the, the world kind of stopped and then fast forwarded. There's a lot of adjusting and adapting that has taken place over the last year as we've tried to navigate through this pandemic and settle into a new norm, so to speak. And so share with us some of the things that you've done to really try to adjust, adjust and adapt as we've moved from this time last year to today. Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, I think the athletic career empowers us to continue dreaming big no matter what we do. So even though that career was cut short um, and it seemed like I needed to be propelled into something else to really put forth all of the intangibles that I learned in my career, number one, athletes don't quit. We just don't give up. And so in the real world, you can't quit either. So there's a similarity that really propelled us forward. And then you throw in natural disasters like COVID that not only just affects us individually, but it affects the entire world, right? The entire globe. So what they did is number one, what comes to mind is perseverance. It taught me perseverance because anytime you get into something, you have to see the end line. You have to see the goal line in the sports method. And so when it comes to business, you have to finish your task even though it may be a very, very unique environment, you've got to persevere through that. It also taught me hustle. You know, you have to outwork and outthink the competition. So just as you're doing on the field, you may be studying your opponent. I think some of the greatest players on the field, like Deion Sanders, would often say, not only did I study the person I was lining up across the field from, but I also studied the offensive coordinators. I also studied the patterns of the head coaches and what they would do in certain downs and distances. Well, we do the same thing in business. You know, I'm in the healthcare industry when I'm not helping athletes transition uh, into their second careers into businesses for themselves, but not by themselves. And in the healthcare arena, we deal with life and death issues. And so we really have to get it right. And so I really think the hustle part of that uh, is something that transitions over, especially in this pandemic as well. And then I also think about what is the competition doing and how can I go in the opposite direction? Um, there's a really good book that I've been reading and I know we'll get to that later, but I'm so excited about this particular strategy. It's called a blue ocean strategy. And if you think about a lot of the red tape that sometimes we encounter in our careers, the blue ocean means that it is wide open. It is vast. It is, it is unseen to the naked eye in terms of how much, you know, width and depth you have to go. And so in my mind, I think you have that blue ocean strategy. It prevents you from being landlocked 
and allows you to see beyond what the competition is doing now. So if I were to summarize everything that I just said, once again, being, you know, being persistent and having that perseverance about you, having that demanding hustle about you to outwork and outthink the competition, and then really having a blue ocean strategy in which we want to get beyond the red tape and roll out the red carpet. Those are some things that have propelled me through times like now. Great. Thank you for sharing that. I know exactly what book you're, you're talking about. That is a, a great book and there's a lot of wonderful nuggets in it. So we'll reveal the title of it as we get into the, the show, leave people hanging just a little bit. So we all have people in our lives that have been there to mentor us or coach us or give us great advice. Has there been someone in your life that's kind of served that purpose? And have they shared something with you, a piece of advice that's kind of always stuck with you? Yes, there sure has. And I would, I would basically say that was my late father. And one of the things that my late father used to say, you can't outwork a person who is not outworkable. Now, I don't know if you look up in Webster's Dictionary, if that's really a term or not, but someone that's not outworkable means that they're not always going to be the first to finish the, fin- you know, to cross the finish line. But it means that if they didn't get it right the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time, then maybe on the sixth time they will get it right. It also means that we need to be humble enough to then ask for assistance when needed. We don't always have the answers. And it seems like in life and on social media and all the programs you see on television, everyone is just perfect. Well, you know what, Jen? Life is not that way. We all struggle sometimes and we all need a little bit of help. So you know, you have to have that humility to understand that someone else may have to help you get there. And I would say last but not least, my father always taught me to be very thankful and not only necessarily say it, but then express it with actions. So handwritten notes sometimes, I know that sounds germane and it sounds somewhat archaic, but I do that sometimes. If people do something to go out of their way for me, and they didn't have to do it, I'll send them a handwritten note just thanking them for taking the time out to do what they've done. Uh, And that makes the person feel special. And it also reinforces that they mean something to you. So those are a few of the nuggets that my dad left. Oh, I love that. You bring up a few great points that I just want to emphasize. You talk about humility and asking for help. And I think that's so important because we like to think of us, of ourselves as being strong individuals, and then we can figure it all out on our own, right? And we don't need to ask for help. Well, in reality, asking for help is a sign of strength. I would challenge people to think that instead of viewing it as a sign of weakness, because in life, in business, in sports, we do need a team. We do need other people to help us to move the ball. And so we have to have that courage to recognize we need help and then ask for that help, right? So I think that's so important, especially as leaders in organizations too. Sometimes you feel like, the weight falls on your shoulders and you have to carry the organization. And that's not true. So I think it's very important for leaders too, who are listening, have that courage to ask for help from your team, be transparent, be vulnerable, because your team will respect you even more if you do that. You're right. And I always say this, I like the word community, you know, and the reason why I like the word is because part of community is unity. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that. So we're unifying our efforts, unifying our voice, No matter what profession you're in, no matter if it's professional athletics, if it's the corporate world, um, if it's personal engagement, you know, and some of those things, if we're unifying our efforts and we're looking towards the best solution for everyone, 
then I think that's always a mutual beneficial situation that just produces a really good outcome. So community has always been a very strong word for me. I agree 100%. I, I like that. And I not, did not think about how unity is part of community. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And the other thing I wanted to reinforce that you said about your dad is you know, the, the handwritten notes. I think that's so important. That's one thing that I used to do when I was in the corporate world all the time. I would write handwritten thank you notes to my team because it shows that you care about the people uh, that work for you or that have helped you. It's easy to type an email up, right, and send it. But to actually take the time and handwrite something is so uncommon nowadays that people appreciate it even more. And I'll just share when I was leaving my corporate job to embark on my entrepreneurial journey, there were some people that would send me handwritten notes and just showing their support or, or cards. And it makes a huge difference, that handwritten touch. So I would encourage people to do that. Uh, let's not just rely on the digital age and email and typing and, and get back to some of the old school things that are still important. That's right. These are some of the things that I know that our major audience is going to be, you know, uh, current and former athletes. But these are some of the things that I think athletes can do as well, because they can really transition from their playing careers to, you know, what's next, right? What do I want to do to then take all the practices, you know, the 6 a.m. wake up calls to being last on the field at 6 p.m. at night and then watching film and, and, and then preparing for the next day over and over again, you know, what can I do to really take those intangible um, characteristics that made me a great athlete to make me a good business person? And if I may, that's what we do in terms of IMATCH franchise and global investments. You know, we help athletes transition from being uh, just an athlete, just a name, just someone who's always hearing uh, the camaraderie ship in the locker room and the rah-rah on the field. Uh, to scoring touchdowns and dribbling the balls, whatever whatever the case may be. We help them take all of those intangibles and put that into owning a business for themselves and not by themselves. And that's truly the definition of franchising. And a lot of times athletes may not necessarily have the intestinal fortitude or the ability or skill sets to start off by creating their own business from scratch. And so we also work in the area of mergers and acquisitions to help them find something that's existing. We do everything from locating these particular existing businesses, regardless of the states, we're international, we're national, we can work anywhere, uh, to then breaking down, well, what business are we looking at? And why would you like to own this business? And what skill sets do you currently have? Or are you willing to develop to be a professional in this business, just like you were in your athletic career? Uh, and then we also teach them along the way by exposing them to acquisition partners. You got to have a really good CPA. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. You hear me say that over and over again to athletes. You got to know your numbers backwards and forwards. Not your mom, not your dad, not your cousin, not your brother, not, you know, your friend that you grew up with. You need to know personally what type of business you're getting yourself into, what those numbers mean. Um, and then how can you make those numbers applicable throughout the entire organization that you're looking to purchase? And then number two, you need to know the contractual obligations that you're getting yourself into. So we work with certified franchise attorneys across the nation. Um, I, I, you know, Jim, you and I have had this conversation before. There are other attorneys that we've worked with that have come in and speaking to some of the franchise athletic events that we've had. So you definitely need to have those two 
um, you know, acquisition partners in your circle, a really good CPA that can tell you about the numbers and then also an advisor on the legal end that can tell you about the franchising contracts that you're getting yourself into. And then once you have that, you can really make an informed decision. So we put all of that together and help these athletes navigate their second career and make them just as successful off the field as they were on the field. So that's pretty, it's a pretty cool opportunity to do that. Yeah, I love it. And we've talked numerous times about that before. Just share with our listeners, how did you get into starting iMatch Franchise and Global Investments? How long have you been around? And share with us some examples of some of the franchises that you've helped some of your clients um, become a part of. Yeah, we'd love to. So the early 2000s, you know what? This is, this is it. I've taken my career as far as I can. My body can't hold up anymore. Um, and I knew that I had that education. I needed to make that transition. So I got involved with the NFLPA. And at that point in time, the NFL Players Engagements Association, you know, they really were getting into sponsored initiatives from the Advertising Association. It wasn't official at that point in time, but then a um, few years later, I uh, kind of ran into Mike Stone, and Mike Stone was one of the creators of the Professional Athlete Franchise Initiative uh, that was a certified sanctioned initiative from the International Franchise Association. And for our listeners, the International Franchise Association is the governing body of the franchise. So that is the criminal of creme. And for context, if you're going into Canada, it would be called the Canadian Franchise Association. So I took some really good interest into this particular uh, sector and started learning about what it is to be in franchising. And for those who don't know, a franchise is a lead, living and breathing business. Uh, it's not something that you just buy and it runs on its own. And so that was one of the different uh, disclaimers that basically I learned early on. The other disclaimer was you really need to be good at what you purchase. You know, so if you're not a CPA, or not, you know, a tax person, a financial person, then do not buy a Liberty tax, you know, because that's something that you may not enjoy or have an affinity for you. If you're not a person that likes working nights and weekends and long hours throughout the day and night uh, and serving people, then why get into a restaurant business? Because I can tell you, there are some very, very trying moments for a lot of restaurateurs that I've known, and I've been in the business myself, so I can, I can talk from experience. So I learned a lot of these things, but then when it came time to apply, what I ended up doing is getting a group of investors, and we started actually the first ever urbanized franchise throughout the United States called Water's Edge Winery. And our goal was actually to put an actual franchise location on every urbanized corner to where a person can walk in off the street and have a glass of wine, regardless of whatever time of the day and night it was. And obviously we had some hours that governed when we would open and close, but the premise was, you don't have to go to a liquor store, you don't have to go to a grocery store, you can actually go to the place where they are physically making the wine and try that particular wine for yourself. So that was a lot of fun, we really had a lot of experience and we grew that from no locations, you know, to, to about 20 or some mile locations with Ken Lineberger and some of the partners there. So really, really excited about the work that we did there. And then uh, working with a really awesome franchise called Dippin' Dots. And so everyone knows Dippin' Dots is a 30 plus year old organization. And I don't think a lot of people understand that the headquarters is right here in Oklahoma, you know? And so being in all 50 states and 15 countries, 
It gives me an opportunity to learn about um, who's uh, supporting Dipadots now. What kind of stories do you have and memories do you have about, uh, you know, your favorite Dippendot moments and your favorite Dippendot varietals? And a couple of years ago, I, I chuckled a little bit, but uh, we had uh, Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer kind of got into a tit for tat with one of the owners, uh, you know, Scott, uh, uh, you know, Scott Fisher. And so they went back and forth. If Dippin' Dots was still the ice cream of the future. But can you imagine the White House taking a hold of Dippin' Dots and really propelling that story uh, to endless heights? And that was really phenomenal uh, to see that kind of happen behind the scenes. But it has just been a tremendous opportunity to work in the franchising industry. And those are some of the things that I've been hands-on with. Uh, but I've also helped people look at the franchises that are existing now, like uh, many weight loss, uh, helping people, you know, uh, reduce their uh, reduce their calories, you know, get into a more healthier lifestyle over a measured time frame and, uh, and stay in, on track with their health. So I've been involved in helping people buy some of those existing locations and then um, take over for what the previous owners had built that location up to be. And so it's just been a wonderful opportunity to work with those groups to work in the restaurant industry, the wine industry, the healthcare industry, you name it. We've done just about everything you can think of. And I think we're just getting started, Jen, if I may say. That's great. And tell people, where can they learn more about uh, your organization? Yeah, you can actually Google my name, Adam Edwards Broker, and you'll, you'll see some of the links that come up. I'm on LinkedIn, my, my um, uh, LinkedIn, Adam Edwards NFL, LinkedIn. Or if you want to go to my website, which is www.imatchfranchise.com. Or I'm actually on the International Business Brokers Association. Um, and you can Google that and Google my name and you'll find my services as well. Awesome. And we'll be sure to have those in the show notes so people can uh, learn more about your organization and get in touch with you if they're interested in talking more about franchises. So something else that I wanted to, to chat with you about is because, as you know, we're, we're not just about success in our own life or in our own game. It's also about making it an impact and a difference off the field and in the communities. And one thing that you're very involved with is the HIV AIDS community in Oklahoma. Can you share more about the work you're doing there? I sure can. Yeah. So very honored at the work that we've done. Um, you know, the Oklahoma AIDS Care Fund is, is a 30 plus year organization. And um, just recently, we decided to fold that into a donor advised fund, a DAF fund is what it's called. But prior to that, you know, the Oklahoma AIDS Care Fund, which was enacted in 1991, was, was actually enacted by the Cooper family. And so the late, great Jackie Cooper was a, was a local car dealer here and had an impactful situation to his family to where his son acquired AIDS in the uh, late 80s and ended up succumbing to that virus. And so between him and Barbara Cooper, they established this fund back in 1991. One of the things that we've been involved with is trying to educate and impact legislation in the state of Oklahoma. So I'm pleased to, to announce things like uh, House Bill 1018 uh, that was sought to increase the education and awareness of HIV and AIDS in the school system, are working uh, with the community for folks that need um, housing, with folks that need help on their medication, with folks that need counseling, um, you know, working with the infectious disease community to really stamp out, you know, ways that we can limit the transition 
uh, by 2030. And that initiative actually was adopted, uh, or it may be on the round, maybe we adopted it from um, the, the, um, the Health and Human Services Department on the Secretary Azar. And so they made that announcement, I believe, back in 2016 or 17, that it was a goal of ending the transmission of HIV and AIDS by 2030. And so with that bold uh, prediction, you know, we jumped onto it. We've had our tireless efforts. And every single year uh, for the last 30 years, we would hold a red tie. Uh, and then we also shared stories of survival because we wanted people to understand when you have a terrible diagnosis of HIV and AIDS, it's not just the person affected. It's afflicted through the entire community and family members and loved ones and everybody else who's associated with that individual. And so we wanted folks to understand it's about living. It's not about dying. And so we celebrated life and we've done everything we could in our power to really, really uh, establish the fund that would outlive us all. And to this day, that's the reason why we folded this fund into a donor advisory fund. So each and every year, it would spin off a certain amount of money to go to go towards some of those meaningful and charitable things that we started 30, 30 plus years ago. So we're very excited about the work we've done here in Oklahoma. And last but not least, we've also partnered with the likes of Elton John. You know, so everyone knows Elton John. Everyone knows uh, the Clinton Foundation and, and all the great work that they've done in different countries in the United States. And so we are elated in all of the work that's been done to really educate and slow down the transmission of HIV and AIDS in Oklahoma. And we think that the work will certainly continue and outlive all of the things that we've been able to do. So very, very excited that you asked me about that opportunity. Well, that's amazing. And kudos to you and to everyone who's involved, definitely doing a great job to make a, an impact in the community and serve those in Oklahoma. So I'm very pleased to hear about all the great things that you're, you're doing there. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to my two-minute drill and just ask you a few fun questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First one is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Businessman. Absolutely. Took my, my dad's tools, started a lawn care company, and called it a cut above. <laughs> there you go. Nice. I like the title. All right. Next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? Gotta be Will Smith. Yes. <laughs> Idolized, I can I can hear to your voice. I mean, that's man, Will Smith. He's the man. Definitely have to be him. Yes, yes, I can see that. Yeah. All right. Next question is, what is your favorite vacation spot? Favorite vacation spot is the Bahamas. Really love the Bahamas. I was so so saddened that our favorite place, which is um, the the Abacos Islands, and and more particular Treasure Key, got hit by the by the hurricane in 2020, and so I'm not quite sure if it's still there, but so the Bahamas is the favorite place to go, and hopefully they rebuild by the time we get back there. Hopefully. So my daughter really liked, one of my daughters really enjoyed her trip to the, the Bahamas a couple of years ago. How about next question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? It's cookies and cream, but it has to be on a waffle cone. Okay. The waffle cone is important. <laughs> the waffle cone is important. Gotcha. All right. My next question is, what is a pet peeve of yours? I would say that I'm a very authentic person. And so as I grow older, I love authenticity. And if you don't have it, to me, I don't really have that level of respect that I need to have for you. Because I feel like you're not letting me into the real you. So I would say authenticity. Mm. Gotcha. 
All right, my next question is, what book are you currently reading, which we talked about earlier, or what podcast are you currently listening to? Yeah, so I talked about Lewis's Strategy, great, but I've got some other ones. So everyone knows this public figure and love him or hate him or whatever the case may be, you gotta respect the hustle. That was one of the words we used earlier. So Jay-Z, so looking at some of the moves that he's made and how he's just lately, remember I'm a wine guy, so just folded his company into uh, Moet, Chandon. And so that was the major move to really take his Ace of Spades company to the next height. So I went back and read his book, Decoded. Um, I also went the business route and looked at The Fred Factor by uh, Mark Sandburn. That's a really good book. If you haven't read that, I would definitely recommend uh, to your listeners that you read that. And then as far as a, a podcast, I really started getting into um, the Ignorant Maestro. I don't know if you've heard that before, but it's by Ite Talbot. And so it's an Italian uh, podcast uh, producer, and he really has a lot of great pearls and a lot of great wisdom when it comes to business acting. Hmm, yeah, no, I have not heard of that one. I'll have to check it out. And my last question is, you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? That's a good one. Okay, okay. Let's see, I would probably say Tyler Perry would have to be one because I would want to learn from Tyler Perry the difference between ownership versus distributorship in the movie industry. That would be a cool concept. Obviously the Medea franchise, everyone knows that and loves that. Um, I would want to learn about that. I would say the other person, probably the Pope. The reason why I say that is because I would love to learn how he created the paradigm shift in the traditions of current world affairs. How did the Pope started becoming out, you know, a, a front figure, if you will, um, with love who you love and, you know, gender identifications and things of that nature. I mean, you know, it just, I think the Pope is transcending what we have known from that position before. And I would say last but not least, I gotta bring this back into the athletic world. Mark Cuban um, had, yeah. a, had an years ago to spend some time with Damon John um, and um, really, really followed the um, the Shark Tank for a long time. Hate him and love him. He's always followed that Blue Ocean strategy we talked about before where he creates markets that, that didn't exist prior uh, to his involvement. So I always love to listen to Mark Cuban. He's full of pearls, very smart man, and a very rich, successful person too. So why not listen to him? Yes, yes. Mark does definitely have quite a bit of nuggets of wisdom to to share. He's done a couple of different books, audio books. Um, I've listened to him on some podcasts. So definitely would be one that I'd love to continue to learn from because he, he definitely knows how to do great things in business and to be successful too. And the only one I've seen to show up in an interview in a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he is authentic and he is comfortable in his style. Well, Adam, as we close today's show, any last thoughts for our listeners? Sure. You know, thank you so much for tuning in. We, we've tried to make this uh, as fluent as possible, and we certainly don't want to make this the last time we get together for a podcast, but I appreciate you listening. And if there's anything that I can do through my resources, once again, I'm at Franchise of Global Investments, I'm not trying to really plug that as something that's just beneficial for myself, but I really love helping people transition into the next phase of their careers. And so um, just give me a call. You know, my number is 405-314-7713, or you can email adam at imatchfranchise.com. 
just get in contact with me. Let me know what you're up to in life. And it's not about, you know, charging you or doing anything like that. I just really like helping people. So well, love it. And uh, as I mentioned, Adam's a dear friend of mine. So if you want to reach out, I encourage you to do so. Um, and uh, I hope you guys l- enjoyed listening to our show today. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.